You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode five, Letting Go of Guilt. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. If you're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hello, Mama. We're talking about guilt today. Are you ready? (laughs) We're talking about guilt because it is one of the most common feelings my clients experience. And it's one of those emotions that keeps us stuck in the past and unable to take action or behave in ways that move us forward. So it's really important and I wanna just dive right in. I looked up the word guilt online and there were three definitions. Number one, the fact of having committed a breach of conduct, especially violating law and involving a penalty. Number two, the state of one who has committed an offense, especially consciously. And three, a feeling of deserving blame, especially for imagined offenses or from a sense of inadequacy. Whoa, I think for sure a mom wrote that last one. Let me read it again. A feeling of deserving blame, especially for imagined offenses or from a sense of inadequacy. So if you've been listening to the previous episodes, you'll remember that our feelings are caused by our thoughts. And this definition tells us that the feeling of guilt is caused by thoughts that we've done something wrong, even when we haven't, or that we're somehow inadequate. So no wonder so many moms feel this way. When you think about it, how can we feel adequate when being a mom is something that we've never done before. And just when we figure something out and begin to feel some sense of adequacy, our kids change and there are different challenges to overcome. We put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect and to get it all right the first time. So here are just some of the reasons that my clients experience guilt. Number one, and this one has been proven by research to be the number one reason parents feel guilty, is yelling at their kids. So that for sure is number one. Also, taking time for themselves, working, being too permissive. So letting kids have too much screen time or eat too much junk food or stay up too late, those types of things. And then the next one is the opposite of being too permissive. It's being too strict and saying no and having their kids feel upset. So it's like you can't win, right? Number, uh, I don't know, six, I think we're on, not enjoying playing with their kids or spending enough time with them, leaving kids with a babysitter, and not giving siblings equal amounts of attention, right? So those are just some, I'm sure there are plenty more that we all feel guilty about, but those are the main ones that I see. And thoughts that create guilt usually sound like, I should have fill fill in the blank, I shouldn't have fill in the blank or it's all my fault, okay? Now, to be honest, I don't feel mom guilt quite as often as a lot of other moms do. And it's not because I don't love my kids. (laughs) I think a lot of moms believe that feeling guilty is just a part of being a mom, or even part of being a good mom. But I don't believe that. 
And I don't believe that guilt just comes with the territory. The reason I don't feel guilt as often is that I have certain beliefs and certain thoughts that keep me from feeling it, which I'll talk about later. But I definitely have felt guilt intensely on a few occasions. So the first was when I tried breastfeeding Marissa, and I had so many challenges. After about three months of soreness, bleeding, sharp shooting pains, a diagnosis of thrush, support from two dermatologists, two lactation consultants, and my OBGYN, hundreds of dollars in co-pays, consultations, ointments, creams, and prescription medications, I finally said, enough is enough, and I called it quits. I like to say that I was at my tit's end. (laughs) I was miserable those first three months, and the only reason I didn't stop breastfeeding sooner was because I felt so guilty. Talk about feeling inadequate. My brain told me, what kind of mother are you that you can't even feed your baby? She's not getting the nutrition she deserves. I would watch these other moms with envy as their babies just latched right on and started sucking away. And the mom sat there with a smile on her face, continuing her conversation as though nothing was happening. I thought, how do they do that? And what is wrong with me that I can't? Oh my gosh, I was racked with guilt day in and day out. It was only after I hit rock bottom that I started to change my thoughts about my situation and let go of the guilt. My thoughts turned to, Marissa is thriving as an infant. I had been formula fed and I turned out okay. And Marissa's pediatrician and my OBGYN were actually encouraging me to stop. So I adopted the belief that while breast may be best for some, it wasn't best for me and that was okay. When Dahlia came along, all those memory and pain-erasing hormones hadn't completely blocked out my earlier experiences with Marissa, but I thought, maybe this time will be different. And it wasn't. (laughs) I stopped after three weeks, but this time the guilt was fleeting, especially as I enjoyed the freedom to let other people feed her in the middle of the night while I caught up on much-needed rest. Now, the other time that I felt intense guilt was back in November of 2013. I allowed Marissa and Dahlia each to have some Halloween candy after dinner. Dahlia chose first. She took a lime-flavored Tootsie Roll out of the pail. And Marissa said, oh, those are good. Dahlia asked, do you want the yellow one? And Marissa said, sure. For a split second, I considered checking the ingredients because Marissa has a life-threatening allergy to dairy. But she had said that she'd eaten it before. And I even asked her, are you sure you've had these? She said, yeah, I'm sure. She insisted. So a few seconds later, while she was chewing the candy, she suddenly asked, mommy, what's skim milk? She said that she felt a familiar tightness in her throat. And when she checked the candy wrapper for the ingredients, it said skim milk and whey. She spit out the candy and started to panic. I immediately gave her 10 milliliters of Benadryl. And while I was freaking out on the inside, I tried to remain calm on the outside. I looked in her throat and it seemed swollen. I could see the tops of her eyelids turning red and getting slightly puffy. And I remembered all the other times that came before this, when her reactions were severe enough that I held the EpiPen in my hand but never administered it. The Benadryl had always come through for us before. But I could also hear the voice of our allergist saying, there's no harm in giving the EpiPen, but there could be harm in not giving it. 
And I heard his voice telling me, whenever there's swelling, that's a systemic reaction. Give the epinephrine. Don't wait. I remembered learning that with each additional exposure, her reactions could get worse. So I administered the EpiPen and we called 911. Two emergency responders showed up at our house and wheeled a stretcher into our foyer. They came into the kitchen to see Marissa, who had started sneezing and blowing her nose like crazy. Her eyes were all bloodshot and swollen, and her cheeks were bright red. They took her vitals, explaining to her what they were doing and why, and everything was within normal range. They conducted a mental status exam, asking her questions like, what's your name? What school do you go to? When's your birthday? Marissa really enjoyed this and liked the attention. She started to become hyper and acted silly, which is a common side effect of the epinephrine. And she told us that her throat was feeling better. So when her father got home, we decided that she didn't need to go to the hospital. We would continue to watch her, and her symptoms were starting to fade. But as soon as the emergency responders left, I went upstairs to my room, shut the door, and began sobbing. I thought, I should have looked at the ingredients. I should have known better. I should have protected her. I should have doubted her when she said she'd eaten it before. I shouldn't make these types of mistakes. Now, the problem with this kind of guilt is that it can quickly turn into shame. And all of my thoughts that started out as, you did something horrible, quickly turned to, you are horrible. And as soon as I started down this path of self-blame and shame, I remembered what my therapist used to say whenever I spiraled in this direction. Be gentle with yourself. So right away, I started telling myself, mistakes happen. You did your best to make good decisions. Nobody's perfect. You'll learn from this that Marissa needs more training on how to read food labels before putting anything into her mouth. You were there when she needed you tonight and you helped her through a difficult time. You handled yourself really well under tonight's pressure and you helped Marissa feel safe because you stayed calm. I know it sounds oversimplistic that I just changed my thoughts and the guilt disappeared. And the truth is, I needed to remind myself of these things many times over the days that followed. But I did truly believe the new thoughts. I didn't just tell myself positive affirmations that I wanted to believe but didn't. I became conscious of the thoughts causing me to feel guilty that weren't serving me and made a choice to think different, more useful ones. Listen, the emotion of guilt for an action deserving of remorse is normal and appropriate. People who lack the ability to feel guilt and remorse are psychopaths. Now, although the experience of guilt is painful, our ability to recognize that our own actions may have hurt someone, to empathize with that person's pain and to feel remorse for having caused it, are all signs of good emotional health. Guilt that drives you to make something right and behave better is useful. But guilt that just sits in your stomach and gnaws at you is never useful. That type of guilt will keep you stuck in negativity and self-loathing. The past can't be changed no matter how much you wish it could be. And no amount of beating yourself up will change that. The next time you feel guilty, I want you to consider changing your thought from I've done something wrong or I'm inadequate to something like, I did what I did, and at the time, it was the best I was capable of doing. We all have days and moments when we've been less than our best selves. We've all reacted in ways that, had we taken our time to respond more thoughtfully, we would have made different choices. Welcome to being a human. 
with flaws and failures and weaknesses. I've made many mistakes and regrettable parenting choices, and I guarantee that I'll make many more. I can internalize my experiences and believe it reflects a flaw in my character, but instead, I choose to see parenting and all of my mistakes as just part of the deal and part of a never-ending path to personal growth and evolvement. I choose to believe what Brene Brown says, that imperfections are not inadequacies, they're reminders that we're all in this together. In what areas of your parenting are you stuck believing that you have to do it a certain way? Where are you feeling guilty, and is it serving you? You have permission to let go of your guilt and move on. We're all in this together. If you'd like my help, be sure to sign up for a free mini session with me or leave me a comment on today's show notes at lessdramamoremama.com forward slash zero zero five. I'll talk to you next week, mama. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast. If you like this episode, please take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes and make sure you subscribe too so you never miss a show. Got a question, comment, or idea for an upcoming episode? Email me at pam at lessdramamoremama.com.